Welcome again to the Real Life Theology Podcast, hosted by Renew. My name is Chris. We are just excited that you've joined us again today. Here at Renew, we care a ton about Jesus-style disciple-making and the theology behind that. And we want to really champion awesome resources for churches and leaders to be able to move you more in that direction. So today we have a really good podcast for you. Carl Williamson talks about the next generation, and he dives pretty deep into Gen Z, how we can reach out to Gen Z, what that really looks like, what this next generation really craves, and how we can really be Jesus, be the hands and feet to them. This is a shorter podcast, but I think it's a really good one with some great content. I'm a professor at Harding University in Searcy, Arkansas, and uh, I uh, love young adults, uh, and I love teaching young adults. And so I'm glad to see so many young adults here and uh, so m- many of you adults who are thinking about how do we reach this emerging young adult crowd. Uh, I'm not sure if you are aware of a book in the Bible called Zephaniah. It's kind of one of those obscure books of the Bible, but it's a, it's a good starting place for thinking about reaching and keeping emerging young adults. Uh, the book of Zephaniah begins with uh, God speaking to Zephaniah. And uh, God speaks, it's a Devar Yahweh. It is the Lord says, right? And at the end of Zephaniah, it ends with Amar Yahweh, uh, thus saith the Lord. And so it's uh, the Lord speaks at the beginning and thus saith the Lord at the end. The whole book of Zephaniah, which is this prophet in the Old Testament, is God's word and God speaks But I find that many of our churches don't really speak that much about Zephaniah because they're not sure what to proclaim from the book of Zephaniah. There is a lack of understanding or knowledge about who Zephaniah is. And so maybe it is a good starting place for us to say something about Zephaniah. His name actually means hidden in the Lord. So hidden in Zephaniah is the very word of the Lord and the way that this text starts and ends those few chapters begins, this is the word of the Lord, thus saith the word of the Lord, and in Zephaniah is hidden the word of the Lord. And so many of our young adults today uh, are, are looking for identity and trying to figure out where their identity is found and hidden in them, whether you recognize it or not, is the word of the Lord. His identity is in there. You know that they are beautiful and wonderful and created by God as no different this generation than it was the previous generation. Even though we may not understand where young adults are coming from today in our churches, we may not fully understand where their brains are and how they make decisions, they are hidden in the Lord just like I was hidden in the Lord when I was in this age range of an emerging young adult. You may or may not be aware that the beginning of the book of Zephaniah starts with God speaking, and it speaks to Zephaniah, hidden in the Lord, but then it gives several other names, and I am going to move on here in just a second, but I just think it's so important to get you in the right mindset to thinking about emerging young adults. So here's what it says, Devar Yahweh, that came to the word of the Lord, that came to Zephaniah, hidden in the Lord, the son of Cushi, the son of Gedaliah, the son of Amariah, the son of Hezekiah, in the days of Josiah, the son of Amon, king of Judah, or Yehudiah. 
I hope that what you hear when you hear that one verse is you hear the name of the Lord. Just like sort of like we praise God with hallelujah. It is praise Yahweh. And here in the very names of these individuals during the days of Zephaniah, you hear individuals who are known by Yahweh, who are hidden in Yahweh. That's Zephaniah. Gedaliah. Yahweh is great. That's what his name means. Amariah. Yahweh still speaks to us today, to our young adults, to our generation. He still speaks in America. Uh, uh, Hezekiah, Yahweh uh, is my strength. And then finally, Josiah, Yahweh is my support. Isn't God great? Just from one verse in the Bible, we can recognize God's goodness and his greatness. And you and I have something great to leave for the next generation. So whether you're in here and you are a young adult or whether you're in here as an adult, I just want to say God is as good today as he was in the past. Because God does not change his goodness, his greatness, his speaking does not change. And so regardless of how you think about young adults in your church, or if you are a young adult in church, I just want to communicate how great God is. And he is hidden in every one of us, and he's still speaking in the world. Praise God. Amen, right? Hallelujah. Praise Yahweh. So when you sing it, praise him. So... Uh, I believe uh, we're not done yet with young adults. As we think about emerging young adults, reaching and keeping emerging young adults, I would say we are not done yet. But when you think about these emerging young adults, I just want to say that this generation, some call it Generation Z, is a generation of young adults. Some of them here in this room could probably describe themselves better than I can describe them, but they are a post-9-11 group of people. Uh, Media is super important to their growing up years, and yet I think they probably handle media better than some of our adults Uh, my age and older than I am, uh, these young adults actually understand what media does to the brain, what media does to the heart. They are a very different group of people. They are growing up at a uh, slower level than previous generations, but that should not mean that they are slow. They are not slow in the way that they think or the way that they act, but their sense of identity is different. And so we have a responsibility to share uh, their identity with them. They're exploring answers like, uh, or questions like, who am I? What am I doing here? Which is actually the same questions I was asking. I was just asking them maybe at a younger age than this current group of young adults is asking them. Uh, There's a longer time period, partly uh, because of how we in North America have raised children They are figuring out their identity at a later age because of the opportunities or lack of opportunities they've been given to actually make decisions, to take on responsibilities, to work in the same ways as the generations that have come before them. Again, that's not bad. They have uh, great insights into our world, but that means that their minds are quite different. 
They have uh, lived in a world of instability, instability uh, with war all the time, instability in love, instability in work. You realize that this generation of young adults is not going to have the same job for 50 years as previous generations have had. They have instability in where they live. They will move to many different locations, whereas previous generations have stayed on the same farm for their entire life. And their children have stayed right there. This is a very different generation. Uh, They are uh, often self-focused and figuring out how to manage life independently. Uh, They will often feel in between things. They're in transition. They don't often feel like they're an adolescent, but maybe they're not quite an adult yet. This group of young adults between the age of 18 and 34 is a, a wonderful group. There's great possibilities in them. In fact, there's great optimism in this group that the world can be different, that the church can be different. In fact, I believe this is a generation that can truly make a difference in disciple making and reaching a lost world. And because of the way that they think differently, they actually become more effective for the kingdom of God. And so church leaders, this, the sooner we actually recognize that in them, the sooner we can actually train young adults to be who God made them to be. And so that is so important. Uh, this delaying of identity is sometimes called identity procrastination, who they are. And uh, uh, why they're here is something that they're figuring out until they're sometimes in their late 30s. They're figuring out, what is my identity? What am I here for? Uh, what does my um, marriage look like? Or should I even get married? Do I want to have children? Where am I going to live? What's my job? They're just considering those things much later in life. And that's a type of identity procrastination. But we in the church, we know about identity. And for you young adults who are here, I want to just speak into you this. Your identity is found in Jesus Christ. He is your savior and he has made you great and he has made your mind great. And many of the things that you have gone through in your life are things that I never had to go through. And when I deal with 18 to 34 year olds, so many of the young men and women that I work with, I see trauma in their life. And we adults need to recognize that there have been various traumas in their life because they've always had media right in front of them that affects the way that they think. And so the way that we think about gender, the way that we think about relationships, the way we think about sexual immorality, all needs to be understood within this idea that many of them have been mistreated. Trauma is in their life. I sit with a group of young adult men on Wednesday nights, and they have told me that since the age of between 8 and 12 years old, they have seen hardcore pornography. And I I, I go to bed at night and I say to my wife with tears in my eyes, there is no reason that an 8 to 12 year old should ever see that. And for them, they're saying for the last 12 years, I've been looking at it every single day. That is trauma that has been done to them. And that's just one example of this generation being quite different than the last generation. And so the fact that they don't understand gender and identity and who they are makes sense. And you know what? I want to say to you adults who are sitting in here, let us be people of immense grace to our young adults. 
Because this group can change the world if they will find their identity in Jesus. In his book, Atomic Habits, author James Clear says, environment is the invisible hand that shapes human behavior, which means one of the most important things we can do to help people grow is to create environments that encourage and support the choices that lead to growth. I'm Abby Barris, a designer and ministry veteran, and I would love to help you create an environment that leads to both personal and organizational growth. You can find me at abbybarrisinteriors.com or at churchdesignhelp.com to learn more and to download your free guide to creating spaces designed for growth. But it is uh, truly a long, winding road. Uh, These young adults, uh, they actually want to be mentored. They love certificates. You know, they're not as interested in getting college degrees as much as sometimes certificates. And sometimes I laugh at this. I tell my colleagues at Harding, you know, a lot of the students here would rather have a certificate from a famous photographer and prove to themselves with that certificate that's just a piece of paper that they got a certificate with this photographer that taught them how to uh, photography than they would a degree from Harding University because they want to learn from a mentor or somebody to teach them. Now, if you and I know that, young adults, if you know that, you can be mentors to the next generation. Adults in here, you realize, wow, actually that's disciple making. So we make disciples who make disciples. And so these young adults, 18 to 34, all they're wanting is somebody to walk beside them as they struggle through figuring out who they are because they're not doing it in the youth group anymore. I'll say this to you young adults. It used to be that uh, back in uh, my age, uh, when you were in the youth group, you uh, clearly identified in your brain uh, your identity, who you were going to be, what job you were going to have, who you wanted to marry, or the type of person you were going to marry. That just is not the case anymore. And you are not a unique generation. You're unique, but you're not a unique generation. This has been the case in the past as well, when generations have grown up differently. And so your generation is just fine. You're lovely and wonderful, and God has made you. But it's important for all of us to recognize that this is a long, winding road as we figure out what this looks like. Now, in America, we have two different groups that you are probably aware of. The nuns, those who say they don't identify with any type of religion, okay? And those who are duns, those who say, I'm done with that. I don't want this religion thing anymore. And I just want you to know, church leaders and young adults, that this age group, 18 to 34, are saying none and done in higher percentages than any other uh, group in our North American history. They're saying, I'm not sure I have, want to have any affiliation with God. Or they're saying, I'm done with that. I tried church when I was a teenager. I went there and that wasn't for me. If we recognize that uh, young adults are saying no to God, or I'm done with the church at greater rates, what does that mean our churches need to focus on reaching emerging young adults? The other thing it means is our churches are doing a poor job keeping emerging young adults. You, uh, church leaders, you already know this. 
you know that we are losing our young adults when they leave high school and they go to college and beyond those years, we're losing them. And so we really need to think about how we're going to reach them. And so churches that are going to reach emerging young adults, I, I might call bright spot churches, but it's not just me. It's a, a lady by the name of Beth Severson, who's done a phenomenal job writing about how to reach emerging young adults. And she has done this study of bright spot churches. These are churches that are reaching these young adults between the age of 18 and 34. Now, uh, before I tell you about some of her findings, let me just say this that uh, men tend to say no to church and to God at higher rates than women do. In fact, uh, these statistics uh, are true for the last really 50 years or so, that men say no to church faster than women do. Uh, But at rates that uh, men and women women who are single uh, say no to God at the same rate. The newest statistics that have come out that Ryan Burge has done in this book The nuns actually shows that men and women who remain single, which this young adult generation is remaining single for longer than the previous generation till their mid-30s or so. So men and women who remain single are saying no or they're done with church at the exact same rate. It used to be that 27% of men said no to church or they're done with church and only 18% of women. But when it's single men and women, it's the same. Now, I'm not sure if you find that alarming or not, but hey, church leaders, will you recognize that means we need some single ministries, okay? Okay, I'm just, I'm trying to put the, like tie the dots together with you, and our churches have become very family-centric, very married-centric. And so they're, so they're growing up, they're figuring out who they are, And then we don't have anything for singles. And uh, so they're not coming to church to figure out their identity. They're instead going out and finding other groups to find their identity with. And then we're surprised when they find their identity in something else. We church leaders have got to get to work reaching emerging young adults. Bright spot churches are churches that are reaching these young adults. And so uh, I'm going to share with you the findings that uh, Beth Severson shares that I believe are really helpful. And I found these to be true in her book, Not Done Yet. Here's what Beth Severson says. There's five invitational practices that she believes are really helpful for reaching and keeping emerging young adults. And all of these practices are done immediately, okay? So uh, now I want you to imagine you're, you're a part of a church and a young adult comes into the church. Well, she would say her research shows immediately you have to do something. Now, I don't know what church you're a part of. I hope your church is a super friendly church. Every church thinks they're friendly, but... Uh, Some church leaders that I've heard or seen, they're like, hey, let's just back off from those young adults. Let's make sure that they feel comfortable and connected. Her research shows the opposite. You need to engage right away. They walk into the church and they're not engaged right away. They will probably not come back. And so if you're going to reach and keep young adults, first of all, just understand you have to immediately do something. Now, there are weird ways to do this where you can push them away, and I understand that. But if it's a question of doing something or something weird, I'd rather you do something weird than do nothing, okay? That, that would be a whole lot better. 
But let's say they're not coming to your church. Well, here are five invitational practices then to help them. Well, it's important for us, first of all, to train people to initiate relationships with young adults. Now, this actually is not true just with emerging young adults. This is also true with uh, people in our community who are Hispanic or black or an Indian community, Native American community, anyone in our community who we are not reaching for the sake of the gospel. It could be Democrats. It could be Republicans. It could be just about anybody. We have to actually initiate relationships. Now, young adults, you can help us with this, okay? Because you're better at making friends than some of us who've been at church for a while. And we need to initiate relationships with people. And so I'll just make it very simple. If you're not friends with any young adults, and yeah, I'm looking at you who are older than emerging young adults. And I say, if you're not friends with any emerging young adults, then guess what? They're probably not going to come to your church. If you want to be a multicultural church and you're not friends with anyone who's Hispanic or uh, black or Native American, you're probably not going to have them come to your church because you're not friends with them. So uh, this, this is fairly normative, right? You have to actually initiate relationship. And then all the research is showing, which is actually not new research, that if you invite people to participate with you, a lot of times they actually say, yeah, sure, I'll come. They actually want to do stuff with you because people are looking for relationships. In fact, this age group, more than any other age group recently, actually wants to find community. And so if you initiate relationship, even if you're an older adult with someone between the age of 18 and 34, and you know they want mentors and people to walk beside them, they're actually actually going to be more prone to connecting with you for coffee or over a meal. And then you say, hey, do you want to come to my house? I have this small group at my house where we study and we read the Bible. Would you be interested in coming and joining us? We have some other people who are older and some who are younger, and it's just a mixed group of people. What do you think? Invite them. They might still say, no, of course you can always be rejected. But invite them. That's what the research is showing. Not only do you invite them, but you include them. Now, I'm going to say this in two different ways, okay? You include them in the small group. So when you invite young adults into the small group, you should engage them immediately, okay? Don't be afraid in your small group, in your home, you invited somebody else, and you might actually ask them the first week or the second week, hey, do you pray? Would you pray for us this week? You say, well, they're not even Christians. Well, wouldn't we want them to know how to pray? Right? When they come into our church buildings, immediately say, hey, would you greet people at our church? We need some young adults like you to greet people at our church. But they're not even Christians yet. They're just brand new. The research is showing that emerging young adults are not going to believe in Jesus before they see if it's actually true. And this has actually been true for the last 20 years or so, that that young adults want to belong before they actually believe. You've heard that already. This research is just showing the same thing that we include them right away, okay? Uh, And not only do we include them, we involve them. You're having a mission trip that you're going on? Well, guess what? This age group loves to do crazy stuff like that. They invite them. Say, hey, you want to, we're going to go on this mission trip. Involve them in that. Involve them in decisions. Say, hey, our church is trying to figure out how we should talk about uh, gender and sexuality. Hey, would you help me sit down with me and, and help me figure out what are good ways to talk about this? What are some potholes I could step into? You take a non-Christian 
who comes into your church between the age of 18 and 34 and you sit down with them and you let them have some ownership and you let them speak into your life, all of a sudden you have this relationship and immediately you can be doing disciple making. In fact, that is what part of disciple making is all about. That's what Jesus does. He walks along the road with people and he has relationship with them, includes them, and then they become part of his mission. And what's really neat is you involve them, you invest in them, and then most of the time, they're going to say, oh, I finally figured out my identity. My identity is found in Jesus Christ. And by the time they figured that out, you're going to say, not only did they just become a Christian, they're already a disciple maker. Why? Because you've walked them through a process of connecting and becoming a part of the church that some church leaders are going to say, man, they serve more than some of the people who have been sitting here in the pews all these years. Yeah, that's right. Because this age group between the age of 18 and 34, they actually want to participate in this process. Does that make sense? Okay, I'm going to have one more slide, and then I'm going to have any questions that you're going to ask, okay? And so uh, here are sort of three ways uh, that we can move forward, okay? And I just uh, created this little uh, uh, thought way for you to uh, remember this. How do we move forward? Well, we, uh, we sit with them, okay? Uh, so one way we do this is we uh, do it through stories. You know, we all have stories, And so if you're uncertain, uh, adults especially in here, if you're uncertain about how to to speak to emerging young adults, they are thinking in terms of story. Now, I'm sure you have lots of stories. Engage them in stories. Tell them about your story. Ask them about their story. They, They love story. In fact, that's become part of their narrative of who they are. And so that's an easy, easy entrance point to a brand new relationship. The second thing is what I already mentioned to you, invite. Um, too often, we are inadvertently telling people, not just this age group, but all kinds of people in our church, you don't belong here. We do that in our announcements. We do that in uh, our publications, what we put in the bulletin. We do that through our sermons. We do that through our illustrations. We are inadvertently often telling people, you don't belong here. I made this mistake just a moment ago, and we do this all the time at our church in Searcy. We say, oh, what year are you at Harding? And then someone's like, I'm already working. Uh, Or uh, actually, I don't go to Harding. I go to this other college. We inadvertently push out other groups when we're not doing it on purpose. We actually have to catch ourselves saying that and then say, oh, no, I'm, I'm so sorry. You're right. Actually, your story is so different than what I assumed your story was. And so then we just, uh, we just apologize and we move forward, right? And so we invite them. And then number three, we just try. Spend some time getting to know those young adults. So sit with them, right? So stories time and invite uh, or, or try. And so sit with these young adults. Well, thank you so much again for listening to the Real Life Theology podcast hosted by Renew. We're just really hoping that this content was blessed you and helped you look forward to how you can reach out in your context to the next generation. We'll be back on Thursday for another session together.